thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest message from City Church Preston. We hope that this message is relevant for your life. For more information about church life, please visit our website, citychurchpreston.com. Father, we just want to bless you this morning. We pray that as we look into your word, that you will plant good seed in good ground that will produce a huge harvest in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about root and fruit, and it's this whole thing about... Um, we're just coming up to this kind of period, aren't we? I, I, I love it. If you go down um, Tom Benson Way or you go to the big roundabout uh, just by Camden Bridge, this is the time of year when there's daffodils all over the place. So one of the great things I like about Preston City Council is they seem to, seem to like daffodil bulbs all over. Uh, and at this time of year, they sort of appear at all grass verges, all, all sorts of places. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And the reality is, if you want a daffodil, then you don't worry about a daffodil. What you do is you worry about a daffodil bulb. And you put the bulb in the ground, then you leave it, and at the right time, it will sprout and a daffodil will come. And in the same way, in our lives, there are things that are roots that produce fruit. But oftentimes, we kind of miss that kind of real simple connection, and we spend our time chasing fruit when actually we need to be planting roots. So we're chasing harvest when we need to be planting seed. And God has got a lot of stuff to tell us and, and, and unpack and help us to understand. How do we get the stuff in our lives that we want? And sometimes it's not to put it in direct, it's to allow God to grow it, but we need to put a seed in. So I want to talk about that kind of whole idea. So we looked at uh, you know, where we're planted matters uh, and what we're planting is important a few weeks ago. About good trees bearing good fruits. Last week Alicia talked about our hearts. And having our hearts established uh, and understanding how we're in Christ uh, so that we can uh, walk in his presence and experience that fruitfulness that God has for us. So this morning, I want to do it very practically. I want to talk about some real practical stuff because I think this is really practical. So I want to kind of pick up a few things and, and make a few comments based on some scriptures. I'll read quite a bit of scripture that will help us, I hopefully to start to wrestle with some of this in our lives. Because at the end of the day, if this doesn't change what we are going to do tomorrow, then actually it's just theoretical. And actually the whole of the gospel is not theoretical, it's really, really practical. So God wants to inter interact with us, he wants us to interact with him. So I want, to, I want to start by reading a few verses out of John chapter 15. And it says this, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may grow more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And the reality is that we can't produce fruit. We can't produce fruit. Now, we can produce some kind of things that look like fruit, uh, and we're really good at producing, actually naturally, some stuff we don't want. So I guess all of us at some point have, have decided we don't want to do this anymore, but actually that's all we seem to do. So anybody ever given up chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> 
So you, so you give up chocolate, or you decide you're going to give up whatever it is, and maybe it's not a big issue. I'm not a big chocolate eater. But the reality is, if my wife says we're going to give up chocolate for a month, suddenly I have a craving for chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's something in us that kind of produces bad behaviours quite often. And it's quite natural, isn't it? Now, I don't, uh, I don't use profane language. Uh, I swear. But I'll tell you what, if I'm in the garage, and, I'm, and the spanner slips off a stuck bolt, and I skin all my knuckles, there is an unbelievable temptation to utter a whole mouthful of stuff that I shouldn't be uttering. Now, why is that? Why is that? It, it's just that somehow in us, we produce stuff that we don't want quite easily, but the stuff we do want seems to be much tougher and much more difficult. And the reality is, we're trying to produce stuff that actually we can't produce. So good fruit, we can't do it on our own. And that's part of our conundrum, because we spend our lives oftentimes trying to be good, trying to be nice, trying to be kind, and we can do some things to an extent. But actually the reality of producing great fruit, that's great fruit, not great fruit. <laughs> great fruit is not easy. And it says here that the branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And you see, what we tend to do is we tend to substitute stick-on fruit. We have a Christmas tree every year. And uh, a few years ago, uh, Jackie bought some they're like apples. And they're really interesting. They're like Christmas tree decorations. And they look like an apple. Fascinating, fascinatingly enough, when we bought them, they actually smelled like an apple. But you hang them on the Christmas tree, and they look like apples, they smell like apples, they feel like apples, but actually there's no life in them. And you know, sometimes we can add things on, like we're adding things on a Christmas tree, and it looks okay until... I don't know whether you do this, but we tend to put a Christmas tree in the hallway, and whenever anybody walks past it and they knock it, all the apples fall off. <laughs> and you know, the truth is that sometimes we add things into our lives, and they're stuck on, and they're added on, but there's no life in them. And when we get a knock, or a pressure, or a, a bit of, you know, rough road that we have to go down, it all falls off, because actually there's no life in it. So we can't produce that kind of stuff. We don't do it well. There's no life in it. Mark 4 verse 26 says this, and this is what Jesus said. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. So as long as the farmer sows the seed and the rain waters it, he can leave it alone and he knows there will be a harvest coming. Paul talks about the same thing in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave you to I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So even in a church setting, the same principle still exists. So if we can't grow the right fruit, how do we do it? Well, we talked about in John 15, the branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So we've got to be connected to Jesus. 
We've got to be connected to Jesus. He goes on in John 15 and says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out and the branches withered. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and be my disciples. We need to be connected with Jesus. We need to be connected to that source of life. That source of God's resurrection life. And when we are, then fruit starts to grow. And it grows in our lives. Really interesting, just as a side, that last verse says, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and then so you are my disciples. Discipleship, fruitfulness, and glorifying God are connected. There's a whole kind of talk in there, which we're not going to do. But discipleship, fruitfulness, and glorifying God are all the same thing. They're connected. So if we are on a path to being disciples of Jesus, it includes bringing glory to God. It includes fruitfulness. Not because we have to struggle to make it happen, but because it's a natural consequence of who we are. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. It's this kind of image, this vine growing up with all these branches growing out of it. It's really interesting that in that chapter of John 15, Jesus says seven times, abide. Literally a word that means the way he used it, a Make your home, your permanent fixture, your dwelling place, your vital connection. Make that place in me. You see, the reality is sometimes we kind of have a, have a faith where we have a passing kind of connection with God. I, I live on a road, and at the bottom of our road is a, is a news agent and uh, sells all sorts of, well, sells all the things you run out of, you know. Bread, eggs, milk, flour, all that kind of stuff. Chips, chocolate, you know. All, all the, all the battle-sustaining things of life. And uh, when, when I'm walking down the road, all my neighbours on our road, I kind of know them. When I say I know them, most of them, I know them because I, I know the name. I know them well enough to recognise them. I know them well enough to say, good morning, nice day. Well, actually, I've never been in the house, and they've never been in mine. So I actually know them, but only at a very superficial level. And we only connect when we're both going to the shop at the same time, and we have to be passing. <coughs> you know, we can have a relationship with God like that. But that's not abiding. And if it's not abiding, it doesn't produce fruit. But we can have a kind of passing connection with God, that when, when we pass occasionally, we say hello, and... God has says hello to us, but actually we never take it any further. But we need to be making our home in Christ. And you know, that connection level, it takes our fruit on us. The more you connect in, the more of that vital life flows to you, the more fruit there is. You know, the vital connection is really interesting. We, we've, we've got a, a silver birch in our front garden that I just, I'll just impress you for a moment, which I pollard. Who knows what pollard is? There you go, see, there's a bit of arby something, whatever that tree thing in his ears. But what it is, you, you cut it to a, a very basic shape, 
And then every year, the new growth comes, and it, it looks like a big, a big green lollipop. That's the way I can describe it. It's probably not how tree surgeon described it. But a green, big green lollipop. But it doesn't grow any higher, so it stays the same size, but it's like a big green lollipop. Because it gets new growth. So you put all the, all the, the, the growth from last year back to the, the big trunk bits. Very technical, isn't it? And, uh, and then it grows again. So all winter, when the leaves have fallen off, all winter I, I look out of our front and I keep thinking, now while the sap's down, and I don't know much about trees, but I know it a little bit because I've looked it up on Wikipedia. And uh, <laughs> I'm hoping it's right. So, so I'm supposed to prune it while the sap's down. Whatever that means, in the winter. So I keep looking out and I've been meaning for months to go and prune this jolly tree. But of course it's been cold. <laughs> it's been wet. And I've got to get ladders out and ploppers and it's just not happening. So anyway, the other day, it's, it's kind of a nice sunny day, so I get the ladders out and start. So I, I start chopping all these little branches off. And then as I turned, I could feel something dripping on my head. <laughs> and there's, there's that much sap in this tree. All these branches are so vitally connected. Everywhere I cut, there's sap running out. Stop that killing <laughs> but you know, vitally connected. Now, if we are connected to Christ like that, that when something damages us, actually the life of Christ starts to leak out of us because we're connected in. So instead of like that Christmas tree, when you brush past it and the plastic apples fall off. Instead, something brushes past us and breaks some of us and damages us. Instead of that happening, actually, the life of Christ flows out. Now, that's a whole different ballgame. But that's why we need to be connected to Jesus. So the third thing is we're responsible for the condition of our hearts. Because at the end of the day... How we connect to Jesus, how we receive what God has got for us. God has got way more for us than we receive. We don't sound very convinced. But God has got way more for us than we, we are ready to receive. God's grace is ready to give us everything. In fact, 2 Peter 1.3, which you've probably never heard before, <laughs> says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness according to our knowledge of him. God has already laid out everything we could ever need. Our issue is, can we receive it? And we receive it in our hearts. We have to, by faith, receive what God has given to us. What God has provided, we need to receive. And part of the way we receive it is how our hearts are. Now, I'm not talking about the, the pump that's blood, pumping our blood round right now. But our heart, the very heart of us, how we connect to God, how we receive, what we allow in our hearts... So I want to just read the parable of the sower in Mark 4. And Jesus said this, listen, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, Jesus is telling this parable 
And it's recorded in three of the Gospels. The parable of the sower. Now, I guess we've all kind of heard the parable of the sower. And we've heard about this guy goes out, he sows his seed and scatters it into his field. Some falls on hard ground, pathways where it's trodden. And it's rammed hard and it can't penetrate the ground. The birds come and steal it because it doesn't go into the soil. Some falls amongst thorns and, and weeds and it's choked out. Some falls on ground that's full of rocks. And whilst it starts to sprout really quickly, it has no depth of earth. And it can't produce and withstand when pressure comes and heat comes and the sun comes and it withers and dies. But some falls on the good ground. The ground that's prepared, the ground that's got no rocks, no weeds, it's not hard, it's all broken up and open. And it says it goes in and it germinates and produces a huge harvest. So here's these four conditions of heart. There's the hardened hearts. There's hearts that are full of stones and rocks. Hearts that are full of weeds and thistles and thorns. And then good, good ground. Good open ground. So four conditions. Now, Generally, when you kind of read that parable, you kind of think about four different people. What I suggest to you this morning is that actually each one of us has all those four elements in our heart right now. So, so we all have those four things. We have areas of our hearts that are hard. We have areas that have rocks in. We have areas that have thorns and weeds in. And we have areas of good ground. So if we're going to receive from God... What we need to be doing is removing and reducing the first three ones, the hard areas, the rocky areas, and the areas of weeds, and increasing the amount that's good ground. Because the bigger the amount of good ground is, the more we can receive what God's got for us. And the more it can produce a harvest, and we become increasingly fruitful. I grew up in Lincolnshire, and over the years, uh, gradually as farming become, became more mechanised, and it's, it's very much a cash crop, so wheat and barley, uh, crops like that, so virtually no dairy or sheep or anything like that, it's virtually all cash crops. So you would get farmers who would plough their fields, and they would plough right to the very edge, and they would scatter seed right to the very edge, because the more seed they got in the ground, the bigger the harvest they got. So if they could take out some hedges, and level that ground and put seed there, they would do. And they would put seed wherever they could get it, because the more seed they put in, the more harvest they got at harvest time. And it's the same principle for us. The bigger the area of clear hearts we have, the more God can put in, and the more seed we receive, and the more fruit we produce. So here's these three areas. Let's think about the three that we need to reduce. I want to make this practical this morning. So, so Mark 4 and Luke 8, two of the accounts, and Jesus, after he told the parable, he goes on and he talks a little more, and then his disciples sort of say, well, what was, what was all that about? And then he explains it. So this is part of Jesus' explanation. So Mark 4, verse 15 says, about the hard ground. Some people are like the seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes away and takes the word that was sown in them. And Luke 8 says, this is the meaning of the parable, the seed in the, is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. See, is this kind of hardness. And the Bible talks about you have hard hearts. 
God says to some of his people. Hardness. One of the things about hardness is generally it's on pathways. If you ever walked across a field, you walk across the middle of the field, which you can't do because farmers get really bent out of shape. But if you do, it's all very soft ground. But if you walk along the paths, the paths have usually been tramped down by so many feet that they're rock hard. And you know, somehow there are areas in our lives that can be trampled. And many people have put the foot on, many walks have been done, and there are areas where we have become hardened. And those are areas that we resist God penetrating. Maybe it's an area we've hardened because we know sat in there is something that if we allow God in, he will shine a light on and we don't want to face that issue. We don't want to deal with that thing. And maybe there's an area of hardness that we are protecting. But it makes us unfruitful. It makes us unfruitful. Maybe it's hardness. Maybe it's bitterness. Matthew 13, verse 15, Jesus is talking about the people of Israel at the time he was there, said this, For this people's heart has become hardened or calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. You know, the good news is you can be healed from a hard heart. God wants to heal us. And where there's areas of hardness, God wants to heal us. Now part of that healing process is not about so much just coming and somebody praying over you, that's great, but actually we need to make some choices. Because if you've got an area of hard ground in your garden, you can go and pray over it and expect God to do a miracle. Or you can get a shovel out and start digging. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we just need to dig. Sometimes we need to get something out and break up the hardness and decide, actually, I'm not going to hold that anymore. And you know, sometimes we hold a hardness of heart against somebody for maybe something they've said, something they've done. And we hold it against them thinking that we're somehow punishing them. And they have no clue. They have no clue. Yet we are damaging ourselves. It's the foolishness of us. And we all do it. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. It's a bit like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It's nonsense. And we do it. Because we're often deceived. But we hold on and we allow ourselves to become hard. So when anybody talks about that person, there's something that just rises up. We're all laughing because I know what I'm talking about. We've done it, haven't we? But sometimes we just need to break up that hardness. We need to decide, I'm going to stop doing that. And you know, one of the things about hard paths, they stay hard because occasionally the rain comes and they, the water comes and, 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 and some weeds get in and it starts to break up the surface, but then people walk on it, pat it all down and harden it again. And you know, sometimes we keep hard areas in our hearts because we keep pushing them down and making them hard again. And God's trying to soften them up, and we're bashing them down again. We need to allow God to work with us to break up that hardness. Now, you know, when we have soft hearts, that can be exhausting. 
You know, sometimes we're really good at sympathy, where we see somebody in a situation and we say, oh, you know, I'm sorry about that. But it's, it's a kind of nice thing to do. But it, that's kind of one level. But there's a level of empathy. And empathy is much more about actually standing in their shoes for a moment and seeing what they see and feel what they feel. In fact, the Bible says about us as a community, as a church of God, that we are like a body, that one member suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. I'll tell you, that's exhausting. Yeah. Which community? Yeah. And sometimes we say, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's, for, that's for those kind of pastoral kind of people. That's not me. Well, actually, it's for all of us. Because we're all a body. We do it in a different way. But we need to care about one another. So the second one is no roots because there's rocks there. No roots because there's rocks there. This, this, this is another area, rocks. And you know, it just, it just kind of shouts to me about things of the past. Things that have, have become so hardened and are sat in the ground or on the surface and they're things from the past that need to be removed. Not broken up, but removed. <laughs> And dealt with. And we haven't dealt with them. And maybe all of us have got things, maybe from the past, maybe things that somebody said, some issue that happened, some situation, something that went on, and, and we have got it. And it's become like a rock in our heart. And it's become a no-go area. It's a place where we can't connect to God because we've got this rock. <coughs> or maybe you haven't got a rock. Maybe you've got a bed of gravel. It's not quite as big, but there's a lot of it. And we need to deal with those things. So Jesus says this in Mark 4, Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And Luke 8 says, Those on rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. And they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And you know, rocks have that effect. They make us effectively quite shallow because we keep circling back to the same issue. We keep circling back to the same thing. When we, when we start to make some progress forward, suddenly there's almost like this anchor that drags us back to something of the past that we're kind of linked to and fixed to and stuck with and can't seem to get past it. God wants us free. God wants us free. But we've got to engage with some of this stuff. And I know this is really practical and it's really challenging. But if we really want to be fruitful, if we really want to be connected to God, if we really want to see God do all that he is ready to do in our lives and change our nation for the better, then we need to be people that he can work through. We need to be people connected, vitally connected. See, one of the things about rocks from the past is they start to come to define us. Maybe this morning there are things in your past that define you. So when you think about the future, you think about it in the context of something that happened in the past. God wants you to be free. The past still happened, but the future shouldn't be defined by that. It shouldn't be limited by that. It shouldn't be coloured by that. Yeah. 
It shouldn't affect everything you do. We need to step into a new freedom. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. The old has gone, and the new has come. But for some of us, we're still walking around with the old. We've got rocks that we need to get rid of. Now, this is different from the hardened ground. The hardened ground, we need to break it up. We're not talking about going on a chain gang to break up rocks. We need to get rid of them. Rocks belong in a quarry, not in our hearts. We need to move them out. You know, sometimes we don't even want to recognise what that rock is. And sometimes we need to face that reality and deal with it and see it removed so that we become the new person that God wants us to be. And maybe that's been the holding thing for us. Maybe it's some words that were spoken over you. Maybe as a child, maybe at school. You know, it's amazing, amazing power of spoken word. And I've told you my story many times about things that were spoken over me at school. It took me 20 years to break. And I'd say I was foolish, but it took me 20 years to break them. Maybe for you, you're still with them. Maybe I did all right. But we need to recognize that stuff and break that stuff off us. Don't allow the past to define you. Don't allow labels that people put on you to define you. You are who God says you are. Not who other people say you are. Not even who you think you are yourself. You are who God says you are. You are precious and valuable. And he loves you deeply. Third one. Choked out by weeds and thorns. I think Mark 4 says, Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Luke 8 says, The seeds that fell among thorns stand for those who hear, and as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. That's, that's quite a list of things that choke us. You catch that list. Worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, Desires for other things, choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Now, actually, on the face of it, most of them are all right. You know, I don't know about you, but I could stand to be a bit more wealthy than I am. Well, anyway, <laughs> you're very holy this morning. Very impressive. I often have this prayer, you know, it's a bit like the fiddle on the roof, you know, if I were a wealthy man, you know the song, you know, don't really show me age now, that's true. <laughs> I'm a rich man. And I often have this conversation with God, you know, like I'd like to think, Lord, that actually I could I could, you know, I could handle a couple of million. <laughs> I'm sure it won't matter yet. I could do some really good stuff with it. Now, I think probably God knows better than I do, because I ain't got a couple of million and he ain't given me it, so I'm not gonna get it out of the But you know, sometimes we, we, we kind of, but it's, it's not the wealth, it's the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness. And the deceitfulness of wealth is, I'm okay. I have everything I need. Nobody can touch me. I can do what I want. I can go where I want. I can have anything I want, when I want it. That's the deceit. 
Because you start to think like that, you start to demean everybody else around you. You start to rise really shock over everybody else. And you, you, you'll know people in the media who behave like that. But you know, the reality is, wealth is deceitful at every level. All of these things, the pressures of life, the cares of this world, the, 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 the busyness that we live with, they're all things that suck the life out of us. You know, one of the things that um, one, one of my neighbours has a, uh, a, 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 a green gauge tree, and it throws suckers out. Now, it took me a while to figure out what these things were, because this, this tree's on the other side of the fence, so I don't really kind of see this tree. But it, it, it can't get all these massive, big, great, big, thick things, thing, thicker than my thumb. And they got bigger and bigger, but they never produced any fruit. And when I talk to you over the fence, it turns out the suckers off this tree. And he said, will you do me a favour? Will you chop them off when you see them? He said, because they suck the life out of the tree and stop it producing as much fruit, but they produce nothing themselves. Whoa, what a picture. What a picture. And you know, these are things that in our lives are suckers. They zap our energy. They take our time and our resources and our enthusiasm, our energy, and they produce nothing, but they suck the life out of us. And you know, they're not necessarily bad in themselves, but what they do to us can be bad. And there can be weeds in our life that on the face of it look okay, but all they're doing is sucking the life out of us. And you know, I was... I was um, I remember talking to uh, a guy who, and I have a bit of a, a thing about cars, um, particularly classic cars, and, and he was talking about classic motorbikes, because he had a thing about classic motorbikes, and he said, I've got rid of them all. Like, really? Like, what an outrageous thing to do. He said, you know, he said, I realised I had a garage full of motorbikes that I never rode, but I had to pay all this money maintaining them, insuring them, polishing them. He said, I was spending all this time, but never actually riding them. He said, and I suddenly thought, my life would just be a lot better if I did happen. Who sold them? You think, there's nothing wrong with classic motorbikes. But actually, they're sucking the life out of us. And you know, sometimes there are things that are okay that we have in our lives, but actually they're not doing as good. They're like that sucker on the ring gauge tree that is sucking the life out of the main tree, stopping it producing as much fruit. And all it is is a big prickly shoe. Maybe we need to get rid of some of the prickly shoes. Roll off. And you know, weeds. Weeds in our life. They stop us from maturing. Stop us from being fruitful. So my question is, what are the things we allow in our heart? See, at least we were talking about last week, our hearts grow, whatever we put in them. The Bible says that while I'm asleep, my heart grows. So the things that we think about, our heart informs us, it grows stuff, it multiplies what we put in it, because our heart, our, in, a, in, a, in the very heart of us, is our growing machine. It's our fertile garden. And what we put in multiplies. So <coughs> you must have had this, where you've maybe seen something that you shouldn't have seen, or, or read something you shouldn't have read, and it becomes an image you can't get rid of. Some silence, like, it was only me then. So, and you, you can't, but it's kind of gross. So, so I, I've come to understand now, well, it's taken me a while, 
there are certain TV programmes that I cannot watch. Now, it doesn't make them bad TV programmes. They're actually crafted really great with great stories. I mean, one of them is CSI. <laughs> Brilliant programme. It gives me flipping nightmares. It just does. And for me, the way I'm wired, it becomes images that I can't get rid of. And it saps the life out of me. So I've learned to improve my life. I don't watch CSI. That's no, done. CSI. Lots of people watch it, love it. It's a great show, really well crafted. But, but for me, it destroys me. And my question is do you know what sucks the life out of you? And my bet is you probably don't. You probably haven't thought about it. And you know, we need to be people who reckon, if we want to connect with God, we need to understand what's in our life that's sucking the life out of us. Yeah. Maybe it's, it might be a person who's just incredibly negative. Well, swap your friends. <laughs> it's it maybe a magazine you read that, that, that fills your head full of nonsense. Well, stop wasting your time. <laughs> read something better. It, it could be all sorts of things. But we need to understand what is zapping our energy, what is sucking the life out of us and producing no fruit and actually making us unfruitful in the things we want to be fruitful in. Yeah. What is limiting God from, from, from being able to access that garden of our heart to put good seed in to produce good fruit? And some of these things we've allowed in. And we've just not discriminated, we've not recognised and we've not dealt with and they're just suckers growing up all over the place, sucking the life out of us. Now there's another category. In Matthew 13, Jesus says another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. And when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also, or the weeds, also appeared. So the servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, you did not sow good did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares or weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. We need to recognise that there is an enemy at work who is trying to get rubbish into your life. Can I make it any more blunter than that? He's trying to get rubbish in your life because he knows if he can fill your heart with rubbish you have less space for God. He can't stop you connecting to God. He can't slow you down but he can drag you down. He can fill your life with rubbish. He can waste your time. He can fill your thoughts with nonsense. And we need to be aware of part of his strategy. We need to be aware of what he's doing. One of the things he does to fill our life full of nonsense, and it's, it's part of what we just looked at in these three areas, is that it becomes areas of hardness. He gets us offended by somebody, and then we become hardened. Have you ever got offended? You know, at that moment when the offence comes, you can choose whether you are offended or you're not. You know that. You see, sometimes we just react. But you don't have to react. You can actually choose how to react. You can choose not to be offended. I used to work with a guy who used to come up with this phrase, which probably used to make me laugh and make me think. When somebody was slagging somebody off and they were all offended, he used, to, he used to say, yeah, but they speak very highly of you. Yeah. And he just like, 
caused everybody. It made you think. And you know, sometimes we need to do it. We need to think. Just a minute. While, while you get offended at somebody, God speaks very highly of them. And maybe we need to take another look. And maybe we need to choose not to be offended and not allow our hearts to get hard. It's one of the devil's strategies. Let me let me tell you, the devil will put people in your in your way this week to get you offended. Look forward to it. Because it's going to happen. I had some people last week who tried to offend me. Best of luck. Let's choose to not be offended. We can. We have a choice. So let's choose not to be offended. Let's, let's choose to keep our hearts soft, not, not allow it to become hardened. It's one of the enemy's strategies. And amazingly enough, when he realises it doesn't work with you, he'll go and do it with somebody else and leave you alone. And we need to recognise that. The second one is, he'll lock us up with things of the past. We talked about that, about the stones. It's part of his strategy. He'll try and lock us to things of the past, so we're chained to a weight that we can't get rid of. God wants to get us into freedom. And this one, about putting, fill our heads with, with weeds. Not quite literally. Don't you wash your ears. My mum always used to say, I had to wash my ears, or I get carrots growing out of them. I've never actually seen the carrots yet, but... <laughs> Not literally, but but God, but, but the enemy will try and fill our lives with weeds. Now the thing about weeds, I don't know about you, but we have some. Well, we have what we thought were flowers in our garden. Turns out the weeds, but they look alright. They have nice little yellow flowers on the green leaves. They grow. I thought they were alright. Turns out the weeds. And you know, sometimes there are things that start off okay, but actually have become weeds. And they start off all right, but actually they suddenly start to change their characteristic and become weeds in your life and start to drag the life out of you. And we need to be recognising the enemy is out to get us. But we can do something about it. First of all, we can block his access. We can block his access. The Bible says, take every thought captive and bring it into subjection to the word, to the truth, to what God says. So take every thought, notice that the Bible says take every thought captive. It doesn't say wait till the thoughts become an idea and you've cogitated on it and thought about it and, and brewed it and grown it and like it to become really big and strong and then it's become an action and you're doing it, then take it captive because then you're in trouble. That'll take some, some uprooting. Instead, take the thought captive while it's still a, a seed on the wind and it's not even landed yet. Take it captive right upstream. Say, so, whoa, just a minute, that's a lie. I'm not taking that on board. I'll block the access. And maybe there's some stuff for us that we need to block some access for. Yeah. Maybe we need to put some boundaries in place. Just let me time out for a second. You probably didn't catch it, but on Tuesday night, the Naked Truth are at Longton Church doing something for the whole of Preston. And it's particularly about how to put boundaries in place to stop people becoming uh, obsessed with pornography. Uh, involved in that whole side of, of, of life where it starts to bring separation and isolation and, and all sorts of things that are not good. So if you've got kids and you want to know how to kind of protect them, or maybe you want to be more advised about how to deal with that, that's a great event. Making Truth for Manchester are a really, really good Christian organisation. And most people won't talk about that. It's too embarrassing and we're too British. But actually, that's a really useful resource. But sometimes we need to put a boundary, we need to put a block, we need to block his access.
And if that's just press your button and you need to talk about it, then we can talk about it. There's no the real issues for real people. Sometimes we need to deal with the weeds. And the parable that Jesus talks about, he talks about how you deal with it. He said, you go and you pull the weeds out, you gather them together, and then you burn them. There's a whole principle there. Pull them out, gather them together, burn them. One of the things when you burn them, they're not coming back. Yeah. You've got to choose to decide, I'm not having that in my life. Now part of our issue is sometimes we have an issue, we know we're sucking the life out of us, but we can't like it. Reality, isn't it? We're real people, living real lives in a real world. And sometimes some of the things that we know aren't good for us, but actually we quite like them. So we say we want to pack it in, but actually we don't, we quite like it. And you know, that can be part of our life. But we need to decide, root and fruit says, if I put my roots down into Jesus, if I'm vitally connected, if the life of God is flowing through, I don't need to worry about whether that's good or bad or indifferent, because you'll find that the bad stuff drops off and the good stuff grows. Because we're connected to a different source. So don't stress about that. Don't stress about trying to cut fruit off. Instead, look where your roots are. So Ephesians 3 says, let your roots go down deep into his marvellous love. And then you can draw up and experience all that God has got for you. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. We need to recognise this is about making some choices. And then the last one, really, really quickly, is we need to maximise the good ground. Others like seed sown and good soil hear the word and accept it, produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And in Luke 8, the seed on good ground stands for those with noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Pre persevering, produce a crop. Yeah. You know, the reality is that we need to think less about sort of interventions and miracles and more about a lifelong process. I planted our silver birch tree that I pollard. Just throw that in again. <laughs> we, we got it as a free gift when we opened a, a Halifax Building Society account for one of the kids. And they sent us a tree. That was the deal. Open the, open the Building Society account, we'll send you a tree. That's about 20 odd years ago. And so I had no idea. I thought the truck was going to come down the road with a with big tree on the back. Anyway, it came through the post. And it was a plastic tube, about an inch and a half diameter, and about two foot long. And when you open it, there's this little root ball, and there's a single twig with one single leaf on. And it said, this is a silver birch. You're thinking, really? So we planted it in our front garden, thinking, well, oh, this is going to work. So we planted it, and, and, you know, bone meal, watered it, everything. And the leaf, one leaf on it, one leaf, the leaf fell off. <laughs> I thought it was dead. And for a year, there was just a single twig stuck up in the garden. But you know, 20 years later, I have to get ladders up it and croppers to prune it every year because the thing goes crazy. If, you know, pull out, yeah, pull out. So, so if I don't, the thing would be 40 foot ivy now and knocking me out now. But you see, by perseverance, and we think about we think about intervention, we think about 
miracles. We, we want to come out to the front, somebody yabba-dabba-do over us and everything's all right. Now that can happen, and God does that. But that's not God's process. God's process is organic. He wants a lifetime of perseverance. See, we want quick fix. I want to do what I want to do, live how I want to live, and then God fix it all for me in the end. But it's not like that. It can be sometimes, but, but God wants us to grow into maturity so we actually take ownership and start to live and to make some better choices. Yeah. <coughs> and it allows God to do much more in our lives. We open ourselves to receive much more from God. And we become people who persevere. And we see God do some amazing things. Psalm 86, I'm going to finish with this. Psalm 86. Verse 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Notice, I'll walk, not I'll run, not I'll jump up and down, I'll walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all of my heart. God's heart is for us to have an undivided heart. Not big patches of hardness, not full of rocks, not full of weeds, but a heart which is full of good ground. Because then, it can flow to us everything we need to be the most fruitful people on the planet. And that is great. That is great. Let's pray. Father, we just want to bless you this morning. We pray that you, we turn around at the beginning, that you take your word as good seed and plant it in good ground and produce a huge harvest. And we speak harvest and fruitfulness over your word we pray, Lord, that you'll give us that courage to face making good decisions, to change how we live, that we may know you flowing in our lives in an increasingly powerful way. We open ourselves to you, Lord. We invite you in. Ask you to come and to show us what we need to do, areas where maybe we've been blinded by the enemy and we need to change some of the things we do. Give us insight and understanding. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us faith we may fully be all you are calling us to be. Jesus. We're so glad that you've been able to listen to this message. And by connecting in this way, we consider you part of our faith community. If you'd like to keep up to date with all of our upcoming events, submit a request for prayer, or find out more about Jesus Christ, what it means to follow him, then head over to our website citychurchpreston.com